You are listening to a message from Treeline Church, a life-giving church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you are in the Pittsburgh region, we would love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out treeline.church for times and location. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, we don't want to welcome everyone today. We're continuing our series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And for us, um, growing up in Pittsburgh, both myself and this is Pastor Justin Burrell, New Culture Church, also here in Pittsburgh. Um, we're both Pittsburgh natives and Mr. Rogers is a legend for us. Just someone really, um, you were telling me that you actually were on Mr. Rogers. I was on Mr. Rogers as a kid. Um, Joe Negri. Changed my life. Yeah. I didn't get to go as a kid, but I, I was on the set when I was in high school. Okay. I got to go, and they had to tell me to calm down and remove me from the set because yeah. I was really into it and excited and running around and screaming. But I can imagine um, that. I was yeah. fanboying a little bit from, from Mr. Rogers. It's Mr. Rogers. Yeah. It's the land of make-believe. That's right. And so the question he would ask in the song every week was, won't you be my neighbor? And last week, we really began to unpack this idea um, that Jesus really drives the point home uh, the, the two greatest commandments is to love God with everything that you've got and to love your neighbor as yourself. And um, really even started talking about the, the parable, um, you know, where God was, Jesus was basically telling the story of, you know, there's a guy that's hurt, he needs help. Yeah. Um, and then the Samaritan comes along, the person who's least likely in the story to do the right thing, um, but does the right thing and basically saying who who was the most neighborly, you know. And we were kind of, you know, almost joking a little bit. The, the guy's question was almost like, who can I get away with not being my yeah, neighbor? Who yeah. do I not have to love? Yeah. And so we really want to explore that idea of who is our neighbor and really looking outside of the things and the people that we know, the culture that we're comfortable with, um, the people that we most identify with. It, it, that's great to have that. And mm-hmm. there's something that's wonderful about that community, but really stretching and going outside of ourselves and maybe pushing ourselves past what we're comfortable with yeah. and sitting up a little bit in what we're uncomfortable with to build that community and knowing um, that God has called us to that, that yeah. it's not just about, um, you know, our race or, or white or black, but that God has called us all together as his children. Um, and so just basically wanted to start packing that idea and have a conversation with Pastor Justin and, mm-hmm. and just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and who you are. And just so you guys know, Pastor Justin and I have a relationship. We've yes. been connected for, um, I would say, a little over a year, year and a half. Longer than that. Cause Has it been longer? I came to the year anniversary. Okay, that's right. Yeah. And before that, we were connected through yeah. Pastor Justin. So it's Lee probably been a little yeah. over two years. So yeah. it's been a little longer. Um, and so we um, both planted a church recently, so we commiserate together on yes. that journey. Um, because man, it is a we call it. I, I actually stopped calling it church planning. It's like a hustle. It's like church hustling. Yes, you really it have is. to have that going on. And we have the same parent church. Um, same uh, Pastor Jeff Leak has both taken us under his wing um, and helping us as church planners, helping our churches get started with Treeline and with New Culture. Yeah. Um, and so that's how we connected and just kind of hit it off and, and started connecting and just have built a relationship over the last couple of years. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and who you are. Yeah, so, um, yeah, what can I say? Well, um, it might come as, as a shock to a lot of viewers today, but um, I'm black. So let's just break the ice with that one right there. That's um, shocking. It's very shocking. I've been black for 35 years now. Um, but all jokes aside, um, my name is Justin. I'm lead pastor of New Culture Church. Um, my wife and I, we just had two beautiful baby girls, twins. Twin girls. So when is a good time to plant a church? <laughs> Have twins in the middle of a global pandemic. 
Come on, bring it. Economic downturn, really bad racial challenges happening in our country. When's a good time to have twins? Yeah. So um, that's kind of been the biggest thing that's happened in my life recently is the twins and new culture. We just celebrated eight months um, yeah. of being open. So even though our buildings are closed, the church is still open. That's what I've been telling our people. And um, that's been going really, really well. And, um, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh, born and raised, growing up here. I'm a Pittsburgher and hard. I left. I came back. I love it. I think it's the greatest city in the world. I'm very biased, not just because I live here. <laughs> I just love it. Um, I'm married to a beautiful woman named Candace who lets me stay married to her. Every day I get to see the goodness of God through my wife. But um, she's phenomenal. She's like probably one of the, uh, if not one of the biggest reminders of God's faithfulness to me. So she's pretty, she's pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, love new culture. Um, we're multi-ethnic, we're diverse um, in every sense of the word. We have black people, white people, Jewish people, interracial couples. So That's awesome. yeah, yeah. And fun fact, your daughters share a birthday Yes, that is right. That is right. <laughs> His girls were born yes. on my birthday. Yes, I was yeah. rooting for it. I saw there was like yes. in the hospital. I'm like, come on, yes. man, we got to get those that babies in right. before midnight yeah. so they can share yeah. that birthday. So yeah, yeah. that's I didn't even yeah, I completely forgot about that. Uh, that is right. Cool, that is right. right. So uh, really awesome and just so it's been really great to get to know you, Justin, and to share that journey and a lot of the similarities that, you know, in the church planting world, a lot mm-hmm. of those those struggles and those things that we've identified with at, at a deep level, you just get and understand yeah. um, all of that. And it's been and really great. And one of the reasons we wanted to have this conversation and where I started last week was the idea that I've got to start with me. You know, I got to start that conversation with everything that's going on with race and racism and a lot of the unrest, a lot of the pain, a lot of the uncertainty, um, not sure how to respond. I just made a decision that I had to start with me, mm-hmm. that I had to start with what's going on in my heart. Um, what is God doing in me? Where the, some of the things that maybe I'm not completely aware of some blind spots that I might have yeah. some things in my heart that I had to search that I, I to start there um and one of the things that we kind of left it with is and you know we want to listen more and talk less and to really i'm, I'm a white guy is it everyone was surprised as you said you're black i'm white i know no. right? <laughs> and i don't speak for every white person but i i will not completely understand what it is to experience our world our culture um life as as a black person as a person of color and so i think it's really important to have these conversations i was just so appreciative that you were willing to have this conversation with us and uh, i know that recently um you know with some of the things brianna taylor and uh, ahmaud aubrey and george floyd um really have brought national global attention to this that this has really become it's boiled over and become something that can no longer be ignored but honestly this isn't something that's new it's not something that's just popped up this is something that's been going on for 400 years in in our nation in our country um, but just recently has become something that's just kind of hit that tipping point where um we can't sit on the sidelines. We mm-hmm. can't just sit idly by and just say, well, something's got to change and that's not right. Um, but the importance of having a conversation and, and we want to listen more. And so, you know, with that idea, you know, as I shared some of my experiences last week, you know, I would just like to ask you and to share with our church family, what, you know, what what is it like to be a black person in our culture today? What is, you know, what are some of your yeah. experiences? What is that like for you? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think um, you said something that was really profound you said and it's not necessarily profound but it's very um very telling as to what we're walking through right now and it's that these things have been happening for a while um so yeah i 
spoken message, not this past Sunday, but before uh, about how to riot proof your life. And one of the things I kept saying throughout that message was these type of things happen every day. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think right now what you're seeing with the civil unrest and the protests, you know, and the riots and all the other things that are happening right now is the fact that um, black people, you know, I mean, my people, um, my family, generations, specifically my family, other people's families who look like me, who are people of color. um, We've been frustrated for a very long time. We've been hurting for a very long time. Mm. It's just now that people are actually starting to listen. Um, And I think, um, you know, when you ask the question about what it's like to be black in America, that's a great question. Um, And I would say, and it was the same thing, I shared this back in January when I ministered with Pastor Jeff, is like the tension that you guys feel right now, um, if white people want to know what it's like to be black, the tension, the, um, the just the emotional strain, the stress, the concerns, the feeling like you need to walk around on eggshell, all of that stuff that everybody's experiencing right now, that's what it's like to be black every day. Um, So, you know, when a a, a cop car gets behind me and I have my children in the car, my wife's in the car, I begin to sweat all of a sudden, but the AC is on full blast Mm -hmm. and I feel like I've done something wrong. I know I haven't done anything wrong. I'm a minister of gospel to Jesus Christ, but to the law, that doesn't mean anything, right? So those are the type of things. I know what it's like to um, be asked if, uh, if somebody can help me with something because they don't think I have the financial capacity to purchase mm. items from that store, but they don't realize I've done okay financially. I'm pretty on top of it, you know what I mean, when it comes to finances. Um, different things like that. So, um, you know, the challenge in, in that we're facing right now is that there are a lot of people who are trying to empathize and become experts mm. without empathizing and doing kind of these type of conversations. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And I know for me, you know, as, as I reached out to, to you and a few other friends in my life who have very different backgrounds and different ethnicities. And, and, you know, I know for me, as I would see each of these stories unfold with, with Brianna and um, with Ahmad and, and then just finally really culminating, you know, for, I think most of us, you know, with, with George Floyd and, and watching, that video, it was so excruciatingly painful. And I, I found myself, even though I haven't had those experiences, I found myself weeping and just feeling so broken and so helpless. And so even just for a couple of days, almost feeling numb, you know, and just and, and just hurting in such a way where I just felt helpless, like I didn't have a voice. And so for you to relay in that way of saying that tension that I feel or that we feel right now, that's been your life, yeah. you know, and that's people of color's life. It's not, you know, it's not a moment where we get to watch the highlight reel on the news and just be like, you know, and then just go back to our life. That That's every day. Um, and that's got to be a very difficult thing to, to carry, yeah. um, you know. And really, as we begin to unpack this last week and, and talk about what racism truly is, um, that it's not just always necessarily. And if you missed last week's message, I really encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. Um, we really are trying to build a foundation to have this conversation over the next couple of weeks. Um, but we began to talk about how a lot of people will see something like this. They'll see what's happening in the culture. And, you know, as much as we may not understand as a white person, you know, we'll still say, you know, that, you know, well, obviously that's wrong. You know, people shouldn't be treated differently. You know, I, I'm not, I don't see myself as a racist or a white supremacist. 
supremacists. I don't agree with any of that. You know, we see what what happened. You know, with when with fascism gets to its ugliest state and Hitler and all that. That was that was wrong, and we don't we don't believe that way. And you know, and I, I might not have. I I would say that I don't have a ro- racist bone in my body, and and just really that idea that it might not be about bones, but it might be something that's a little bit more subtle. And begin to talk about this idea of shadow racism yeah. and how. Um, you know, it can become about assumptions um, about somebody. It can become about pseudo acceptance. Yeah. We don't fully let people in. It's just mm-hmm. to a point where we have like this comfort level, but we won't fully embrace people who look different than us. And and even in our family life, the importance of what are, what are our kids hearing us say? What are they seeing us model? What are they seeing us doing? Um, and the importance of that um, recognizing those blind spots or that shadow racism that I have in my life, you know, that others may have that may not completely see it or, you know, being willing to do that work in my own heart and go there. And really just wanted to ask you the question, you know, as, you know, as, (laughs) as a white pastor, I can sit up in front of our predominantly white congregation and talk about shadow racism and talk about some of those things. But I just wanted to know from you, you know, what are some stories, your experiences from your past? What, what does that look like? How has that played out in your life? And is that something that you've experienced? Yeah. I mean, I experience it every day. Um, so that's not to be a victim, have a victim mentality. It's the reality of the culture that we live in. So I've shared so many stories, I mean, I've been sharing so many, but I, you know, the classic one is the Air Clapton concert. So I, I, I know you've heard me share this yeah. one before, I'll share it again, but you know, I'm at the Igloo here in Pittsburgh right before they tore it down, and I'm there to see Eric Clapton, and as I'm walking in, the security officer opens up the concession stand door because he thinks I'm there to work mm. and serve hot dogs and, and, and sell nachos. But I'm like, dude, I'm actually here. Here's my ticket. Yeah. To see Eric Clapton. Oh, and I'm really excited. I'm early because I want to see Rob, Robert Plant, you know, because he's opening up <laughs> yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. And he's looking at me like, you know who Robert Plant and Eric Clapton is? And yeah. so that happened. And then even, I didn't even share this part of the story, but I remember getting in my seat and there was a guy, gentleman who was larger than me, tatted up, white guy. Um, and I could just see the uncomfortableness of like, one like looking at me like, okay, why are you here? What's going yeah. on with this? And, um, he was, he found out that I knew all the words to every song. Um, and my air guitar was pretty on point. Exactly. So yeah, it was pretty accurate. So, you know, that's, that's a subtle thing that yeah. happens. That's, that's real. Um, but then there's other times where, um, you know, it causes a lot of conflict in my life. Um, and I have to, um, kind of slow down, mm-hmm. especially being a larger man. I have to kind of slow down, talk softer, you know, be very affirmative, mm-hmm. slow down, really talk. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, depending on the situation, um, I know, I think you want me to probably share about what recently happened about three or four mm-hmm. months ago. So I'm here in the city of Pittsburgh and um, uh, driving, lifting Uber, church hustle, you know. That's right. Uh, and uh, I get pulled over by an officer out of nowhere, out of one neighborhood in Pittsburgh that's notoriously kind of known for racism. And um, the officer uh, proceeded to just kind of, he came in very irate. So it was dark, came out of nowhere, didn't know where he came from. And I can I can barely tell if it's an officer. So I asked him to identify himself, let me know why I got, you know, was being pulled over. 
Um, at that moment, he just began to like really lay into me. His tone was really bad. It was just not a good situation. He began to threaten me. He says, if I don't produce a license, he's going to be like over a $400 ticket and he's going to pull me out of the vehicle and he's going to call back. Like all these different things. And unbeknownst to me, my saving grace, my Lyft passenger at the time was a young white kid who happened to pull out his cell phone because he did not feel safe and he didn't feel safe for me. Mm. Um, and um, I finally produced a license and I complied after being threatened. <laughs> um, and uh, he says, so much for a warning. It's going to be a long night. And he walks away, holds us for 15, 20 minutes. The kid's like freaking out. He's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he didn't do anything wrong. Officer comes back. He says, here you go, Mr. Morell. You're driving for hire tonight, blah, 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 blah. You need to be more responsible. You're not for a tool. I got you going through three stop signs, and, you know, you're getting a warning for two and warning for one. I was like, well, like, 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 let me know what happened here again. You know what I mean? What, what happened? He says, you ran two stop signs, like, like four or five, like, blocks back, and I got you running another one, but you're only getting warned for two and a ticket for one. And it was just not a good situation. So, um you know, those type of things happen every day. I've shared stuff with you about, you know, growing up. I know I don't look like it right now. I picked up some dad weight, but <laughs> I was very good at basketball growing up to the point where I played with adults um, uh, when I was 13, 14. Um, in the middle of the hood, and, uh, you know, I got frisked a lot in that playground, mass frisk, and little things like that, 13 years old. Stuff where I've had cars, you know. My sister, you know, released a nice vehicle into my life. I had to drive with a Bible on the passenger seat because every time I was pulled over by the officers, where are you going? I'm on my way to church. I lied. I wasn't on my way to church, but I knew that that Bible was going to save me. You know, people wonder why I love the word so much. That's why. Um, So little things like that, and it's comical and we laugh about it, but like these are really situations that I have to find myself in all the time. And I'm constantly reminded um, by the limitations that are placed upon me by the color of my skin. Yeah. And it's, you know, as you were, you shared that story with me before, you know, and that's one of the ways that we connected in some of the, you know, history we share. We, you know, as church planters, it's, it's very rare to plant a church and your church to be able to support you from day one. And so, you know, I was doing that, <laughs> I'm, you know, doing that side hustle as well. And for me, you know, driving Uber, driving Lyft, that was, you know, ride sharing. That's something um, that we would do, you know, and we would be texting each other, you know, and, oh, we're at the airport waiting for a ride or, you know, sharing some of the, the crazy stories that happen, which honestly, we could sit down and have a whole nother conversation yeah. and you you people would love that. We should do a church hustle series and talk about that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> man, it is, uh, wow. Wow. To experience some of those stories. You know, but as you were sharing that with me, it just immediately made me remember of an experience that I had, um, you know, last year, later in the year, I was driving uh, in a nicer neighborhood and they had a sobriety checkpoint. Um, which I had never been through one before. I didn't actually quite know what was happening. And my passenger right away was like, oh, it's a sobriety checkpoint. And you can't turn around. You just get in. You just come around the corner and you're all lined up there. And they're, you know, flashlight in the face and asking you for your your license and your registration. They see that I'm driving for Uber. And um, I always have my current registration and insurance information in my glove box. Always. I Mm -hmm. always have it there. Um, And I could not find it anywhere. And... So he sends me to, there's a little lot on the side where they're sending people out. He's like, okay, just look for it over there and then show them. And so I'm trying to find it. The, the 
the passenger, you know, is kind of like trying to help me out. You know, you know, do you have any pictures of it? Can you find your email? And she was very understanding. I'm like sweating bullets over here and I cannot find it. And I'm like, this is just going to be a terrible situation. And um, I got out of the car and two police officers walked over and I was like, I can't. I can't find it. I'm, I'm so sorry. You know what I mean? I'm thinking this is like done. They're going to shut me down. And they were just like, oh, what are you, what are you looking for? Oh, don't just, just get in your car and go. Yeah. And just, you know, when you talk about white privilege, I think a lot of times, and for me personally, years ago when I would hear that, I would think, well, they're saying that my life is easy. They're saying that because you're white, you're privileged in life. That doesn't mean that your life is easy. It just means in situations like these, my white privilege allowed me to easily get out of a situation where you're being told that you've got to produce these documents, and you're going to get this ticket, and you know, feeling like you're going to get pulled out of the vehicle, and it's only because someone's videoing it. And I'm, I, I can't speak for the person who was the passenger in my car, but I don't think at any moment they felt the pressure to get out their phone and record me looking for my insurance card. Um, but that really does speak to the difference. Two pastors, same city, two different color skin, two total different experiences. Um, and I think that really does go to show or highlight. And for me, I guess, began to soften my heart or even my stance or, you know, my understanding of what white privilege was that no one was saying that my life was, <laughs> I've had not, uh, I've had a hard life, not as difficult as some people, but I've been through some stuff and I've faced some pain and there's been a lot of uphill. And so I felt like that was invalidating me, you know, as a person that in my life, you know, that I've just had it easy and everything's been handed to me, but that's not what it is at all. Mm-hmm. It's just basically saying that basically because of the color of my skin, I was, I was let off a lot easier that I wasn't looked at that I was trying to do something. So, you know, I'm so thankful for that, that story and that experience that you had and you're, you know, you, you sharing that, that with us. And I'm glad you're thankful for it. <laughs> thankful for your willingness yeah, to share. I'm not yeah, going yeah, yeah, to go time, through brother. a sobriety check. Yeah. And I am going to talk about like you getting some sweet fares too. You texted me be like, I just had, I'm like, how are you doing this? It's I feel like I'm failing. It's God Uber giving driving. me about 40 acres of the mule. He's like, look, it's going to be a hard day, son. Here you go. Take that with you. <laughs> oh man. So as we talk about this and we, we kind of hinted at this earlier, but I wanted to ask you this what you know for me is I struggled in my response and, and not wanting to say the wrong thing or, yeah. or you know you know presuming that I understand the situation wanting to listen more wanting to be slow to speak but what would you say to someone like me a white person a, a Christ follower someone who's trying to follow after God and live for Christ what what would you say are they they want to do the right thing what advice would would you give them yeah that's that's a great question um and we talked about this on the phone and I, i've been getting this question a lot and the first thing i would say specifically treeline church um specifically white people that go to treeline um is that um it's okay to be white right now and the way our culture what's happening right now with this these issues that we're facing um, there's this thing where guilt tries to creep in and, and condemnation. And I don't believe that's of God. I do believe conviction, right? Yeah. Um, I believe conviction builds you up, but I believe condemnation build, pushes you down and it makes you feel bad about things that are to a certain degree are outside of your control. Now, with that being said, I think things like what you're doing is saying like, all right, like this is not my fault, right? 
but I have a responsibility as a white person, as a person who recognizes that I have privilege, I have certain things that I don't, hoops I don't have to jump through. I have a responsibility to understand and be intentional and consistent about that, right? So one of the reasons why I agreed to do this with him is because you've been consistently in my corner, we have our church. We're in something that you found for me. Like you helped me find my church. You've been invested in me over the time we've known each other. So I think like for any white person trying to figure out how to move forward, I would say the first thing you should do is one, forgive yourself and not beat yourself up. Cause if you come to black people out of the, I'm sorry, I'm white. I feel bad. Oh, woe is me. Black people. We have like a super spider sense, okay? We gonna know that you're not legit. I'm gonna take all the, I'm just keeping it real yeah, with you, okay? Like we're gonna know. So like before you engage somebody of color, really check your motives and check your heart. And like if you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you're led by God to reach out, do that, right? Um, and then be authentic in that. And then I would say also be consistent in that, right? So that would be it. So like jump out of the boat, walk across the water, right? Be consistent in that. And then I think the other thing, too, is just, like, understand, like, you know, you're not an expert. Um, and not try to quantify or make sense of somebody's pain through your lens because you just mentioned it. I mean, you connected the dots. But I have white friends in my life today that still don't understand what happened to me a couple months ago why that was wrong. And it doesn't mean that they're racist or anything like that. It's just they don't get it, right? So be patient with yourself. There is a steep learning curve to this, especially if you've been white all your life, right? That's me. Um, you know, so there's a learning curve. But I just think, like, just be patient with yourself. Be gentle. Be practical. Be consistent. Be um, humble. Humble yourself, you know what I mean? And, and just kind of open up your life and share your life with somebody of color if you can. Yeah, and I think something I really appreciated that you shared with me you know, is the idea of not allowing something to just be a headline and just in the moment we just, you know, you don't want to stop and just be reactionary and say, you know, oh, I've got to do something about that. This is the current news cycle. So therefore I have to be yeah. doing what's going on in the news cycle. And honestly, even for me, you know, as we made the decision to pivot and do this series, because um, this wasn't this wasn't planned, but just really feeling like, OK, you know, Lord, is this something you were leading? Is this something Holy Spirit's leading us to do? Because we don't just want to be reactionary in a moment, but we want it to be from from the right place. And, you know, I think something that you shared that really, you know, helped me with that is it's just not something about doing it just in the moment and just, you know, a couple weeks, couple months go by and then, you know, we're on to the next thing and the next issue, the next news cycle and, you know, building series based on what's, you know, going mm -hmm. on in the world or the culture. But just really the idea that we've got to live in that space and to continue, you know, I, you know, another part of my white privilege, I, I can't just, you know, go to bed and just forget about it. And I'm just, you know, a white guy. And I don't have to worry about this anymore. As you just so wonderfully described for us at the beginning, that that tension right now, what's happening in our culture and in our cities and our communities, um, that's your reality every day. And I think for us, it's it's coming alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. and and being aware of that, validating it. I may not know exactly what that's like. I may not have experienced that depth or that level, but to not allow it to be something that um, I just walk away from to the next thing, but to continue to have this be a part of, you know, my Christian walk for me as, as a leader in my home, you know, with my children having difficult conversations, they are asking all kinds of questions now and figuring out how to have honest conversations with them that are age appropriate that, you know, just to not just say, well, that's, you know, just ignore it, but to have honest, difficult conversations. Yeah. And even as a pastor, you know, that the lead our church and, you know, I, um, we're, 
a little further out in the suburbs and it's a little wider we'll say it that way um you know i was even pulling my my daughter about her school and you know some of the diversity and there's not a whole lot you know and so there's you know not a lot of diversity where we're at and it's predominantly white area but for us you know just so admire what you guys are doing and i admire the diversity that you have here at new culture and it's just something that i think you've modeled even well for us um and that even in the wider suburbs of Pittsburgh, that that's something that we really desire, that if there are people of different ethnicities or nationalities, that they would they would feel comfortable, that they would know that they would be loved. And um, that, for me, was one of the reasons wanting to have some of these more difficult yeah. conversations. So, you know, we're a new church. We have an opportunity to lay some foundations. Yeah. And, and we want to do that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, man. I, um, as, as we're having this conversation, I was just thinking about so many other Thoughts, you know, where you're asking, like, how can how can we talk about helping and do stuff? And I think, you know, just I really want to go back to the practicality of these type of conversations and being okay with not being an expert and stumbling your way through. Mm, It's good because a lot of times we don't know how to stumble our way through. We want to say the right things. We want to be perfect. Got to be polished before. Got to be polished, and it's not going to be polished because. You know, we've been here before, black people, but I know that this is a learning curve for you guys. Sure. And I was joking with you earlier. I was like, it's really tough to be white right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, black people's stock is up right now, yeah. but it's really tough. And I think, like, for your people that really be okay with not knowing, not having the things in place, and like, just baby steps are really good. Just consistent yeah. baby steps. Yeah. So, um, one thing I really wanted to talk about with you, because I think this has been really polarizing when it comes to this issue, is the idea of Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and how this has become something that really is polarizing to where, you know, for years as this movement has gained traction, that, you know, people on some side, you know, of it and predominantly white people would be, you know, would quickly quit back all lives matter instead of just, you know, black lives matter. Yeah. I just wanted to get some of your thoughts because I think it's sometimes it's difficult to separate, you know, the, the movement or the idea or the statement or the sediment and the heart behind that um, with maybe some of the, um, you know, movements or political hijacking and all those sorts of yeah. things that have happened there um, to try to control the narrative and just kind of get some of your thoughts and perspective on that. Yeah. So I appreciate that. This is there's a multifaceted issue, right? So you have the political side of Black Lives Matter and um, how it can be, like you said, very polarizing. But then you have the actual like, what's what's the what's the what's the etymology? What do we mean by when we say Black Lives Matter? Right. So I shared this with you before, but like normally the response to Black Lives Matter is, well, all lives matter. Sure. And it's like. Okay, well, if you can't say all lives matter if black lives don't matter. Yeah. Right? You don't we don't have the need to say when when we say all lives matter, people don't say, well, white lives matter or Jewish lives matter or senior lives matter or all these different things. People, there's nothing there's no pushback on that when you say any other people group. But the moment you say black lives matter, it invokes something that's in our subconscious and it's a fabric of our country's history. Excuse me. Sure. Sorry, 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 camera guy. Um, I know I broke the fourth wall, but um, I think like the importance of understanding the sensitivities around that and the significance of that statement. Because since the founding of this country, black people have always been underrepresented. You know, you guys are, you know, historically white people have been um, one whole person where we're three fifths of a person, right? Like that's in our constitution. Yes. (laughs) So we've never been even, right? Mm -hmm. So 
right now, especially now, it's a sensitivity type of thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, that would be the first thing with that. Um, I'll take it a step further. Um, I would say also, too, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, um, it's not just a political statement. It's not just a talking point. But, like, for those of us who have... Um, made sacrifices for those of us who choose to live a certain type of way. It's it's very frustrating to know that all of that can be taken away by the color of my skin. Yeah. Right. So I've made certain decisions to become a pastor of a church in a city. I love this. I love God with all my heart. Right. I, I love my people. Right. I, I serve. I'm passionate about the things of God. You know me. I, yeah. You know how I feel about the Lord. But the moment that all of that can be taken away because the color of my skin from other people, there's a limit on that. Right. And, and I don't necessarily know all of the steps to get through that. Right. Um, I'm not going to give you a long list of like 12 things white people should do to make it up to us. Right. Um, but I will say that, um, when you hear that term black lives matter, consider the source and consider where the person is coming from when they say that, Yeah, because that means a lot. And I, I use this, this is very radical. I said this on the talk last week and I'll say it again. I know when somebody says black lives matter and the response is all lives matter, that's the equivalent offense for black people specifically. That's the equivalent of using the N word in a sentence. Mm. It carries that level of offense because unless you are one of us, you can't tell us that all lives matter when our lives don't matter, right? And that's kind of what you're seeing right now. People are frustrated and protests are turning very violent very quickly. And I'm all for protesting. I'm not for rioting. I preach some message against rioting. But I think we have an opportunity in our world right now to get this right. And we're going to know in six months if we got it right or not. Yeah. And I think even for me, you know, that's even been part of my personal journey and even checking my heart, you know, on the whole idea of, you know, I'm not trying to align myself with and I'm just not a political guy, period. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not. Um, not even the social re- media world, just even personally, it's just not been something that I've just, you know, hang on every word politically. It's just I actually want to go in hiding every year there's an election year. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. You know, so for me, you know, I, I think getting to the point of the sediment and the heart behind it, you know, in, in the same way, you know, as, you know, we talked earlier, people were like, you know, I, I agree, you know, with what, like, I disagree with what Hitler did. And, you know, what he did to the Jewish people was terrible. And if we were to say the Jewish lives matter and we're going to go to war to stop an evil dictator, you know, at that point, I don't think it would have been like, well, what about the rest of the Europeans would have been like, well, look what they're doing. Look at the oppression. Look at the, you know, their demise. You know, it's really important. And, you know, we were even talking before and, and you may be familiar. Some people may be familiar with the story of the prodigal son and kind of the short stories. Jesus was telling a story and I had two sons and um, one says, I want my inheritance now. He gives them his inheritance. He goes off, squanders the whole thing, loses mm-hmm. it all, afraid to go back. He starts living with the pigs um you know and 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 he's like i can't go back to my dad he won't accept me finally breaks down has nothing left yeah crawls his way back to his father his father is so happy in that moment you can almost picture the you know prodigal son saying well prodigal son lives matter and here's the other son who is now angry that he didn't squander and is like well you know my life matters too And and i think that's almost a little bit of what we heard it wasn't that black lives matter and other people's lives don't matter you know and even for me I have you know three daughters at home and if I tell one of my children I love them I would hope that my other children wouldn't run in and say well you don't love me because you said you love them it's just an expression of the child in that moment or they may need me in a moment or whatever and I think that's just more of that lens of seeing it through that of 
you know, what people are going through, what they've experienced in the life that they've had to yeah. live in, the culture they've had to deal with, and making a statement um, that this phrase is not trying to say that other people's lives don't matter. It's just saying it's a cry of this has been going on for so long in our country, and we want um, people to recognize that our lives matter too, yeah, that yeah. all lives do matter, but we've got to recognize that yeah. black lives got to matter if, if indeed yeah. all lives really do matter. Yeah, yeah. And I, I really want to, because every time I say this, I'll go back to clarify it because I don't want people to hear this and think like, man, if I don't like say black lives matter, I'm yeah. technically using the N-word. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the level of offense, right? Yeah. When the response to when you hear Black Lives Matter and you, you not you in general, but the person will respond sure. all, that's the level of offensive carriers. It's kind of like if you go to a wedding, right? And the bride comes down the aisle and you see her afterwards and you say to her, this is a great wedding. You could have looked better. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that, right? It's like, Definitely don't, don't uh-uh. no, that's, that's, that's a high level of offense, right? You don't yeah. do that. So it's the same type of offense that I'm talking about and we just don't want to be offensive yeah, in our response for sure and, and I think that's even helpful you know for me and I, why these conversations are so important it's so important for me to hear your perspective or to hear other people of color's perspective and, and their story and, and their experiences in our culture right now and what's happening in this world because it helps me so much in what's going on in my heart of you know what is it that I'm what is the reaction when I hear mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter what, what is going on in my heart and my soul and my mind mind, you know, what is, you know, what is my response as a leader, as a father that I want to lead well or want to respond well or to contribute in a positive way, um, you know, because it's, uh, I think it's really easy, as we said earlier, it's really easy to just kind of sit on the sidelines and, and to not engage. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just really important that we have some of these difficult conversations and um, gosh, especially as Christ followers, yeah. you know, and it's, yeah. You know, we we talked about it last week in in Galatians, you know, where it says if you were in Christ Jesus, it's no longer about being a guy or a girl or a Greek, a Gentile, a Jew. It doesn't matter what you are. You know, it's not about your your creed or your ethnicity. We are all the body of Christ. And I just really feel that we have an incredible opportunity as the body of Christ to set the precedent and to have these healthy conversations. And, And even, you know, for me to sit in the uncomfortable feeling, to push through the awkward moments to you know to really to uh, try to do something and, and to make a, a statement and use our voice even if it feels like we're helpless you know just doing these things I yeah. think are, are um, really helpful and my prayer is a step in the right direction yeah definitely I, I applaud you to for you know embodying what we're what it means to be the body of Christ and I love that scripture where it talks about if any man is in Christ or woman all things are passed away right but I love the fact that like our past, our past transgressions, our past, you know, hangups, the failures are passed away. But our culture is very much a part of who we are. Yeah. And when we do stuff like this, we are actually giving credence to that scripture because my past limitations, my past hangups, all of those things are out of my life. And I'm sitting here in 2020 having a conversation with somebody when I was in my early teenage years, I probably would have not liked you. And it's not because, (laughs) you know, of anything. It's just because of my my current context of that. And I don't forfeit that culture, but I get to bring that culture with me redeemed and we can begin to exchange and begin to have these type of conversations that's healthy to a lot of people. And we can be healthy voices that fill the vacuum right now. I think the major thing, and I'll I'll, this be my last point when, when it comes to the whole body of Christ thing when it comes to these issues, specifically this issue that we're talking about. Um, 
you can see right now in the body of Christ, this is like, it's not just a Black Lives Matter statement. It's like, what's happening? How do we handle it? What do we do? All those other things. And it's very, very polarizing. So like you sat here and you used the, t- the names Breonna Taylor and yeah. Ahmaud Arbery and, and George Floyd. You used them in a sentence. But I know that there are African-American leaders in the church right now who won't use their names in a sentence in their pulpits. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you are actually taking a step and you are you are be- helping us become more healthy as the body of Christ by opening up your church. Sure. And the people that you lead to actually have these conversations. So thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you so much, Justin, for your willingness to sit down and have these conversations. And honestly, for me, they're, you know, um, the older I get, you know, the relationships just become that more important and that much more precious and just really appreciate your, your relationship and your friendship and, um, you know, allowing us to commiserate together as church planters and, and the humor and some of the um, funny text and things that go in our life <laughs> that we get to um, laugh about and just really appreciate you and Candace and, and your girls and what you're doing here at New Culture and just... Yeah. Um, Man, just really honored and privileged to, to be a, a small part of it in your life. So thank you so much for taking the time to sit um, with us today. And I, you know, my prayer is for us as a church, as we sit and hear Justin's story and we hear some of his experience, that this won't be something that is a, a one-time deal. But I, I just want to encourage us as a church to have the courage to, to step out and maybe even pray some bold prayers to have conversations um, with other people or to um even if it's not sitting down in a conversation yeah. like this, maybe just opening up to to reading some things, to finding um, we've got some great resources and books and things that you can read online and hearing other people's stories and yeah. educating ourselves and becoming aware of the culture around us and, um, you know, really that idea to be slow to speak and, and, and quick to, to listen. Uh, and so just thank you so much uh, again, Justin. And, and um just so thankful for our church family and, and thankful for the series and my my hope and prayer is that you'll continue to tune in the next couple of weeks um, as we continue to have uh, this discussion and I think it's something that's really important for us as the body of Christ so yeah. thank you guys so much and uh, we'll see you again next week thanks for listening if you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.